0: over a payment of 2.2 million U.S. dollars made to Mr. Platini in 2011. The news from RTHK.
1: Good morning, and welcome to Week on Three with me, Janice Wong, where we look at some of the hottest interviews from the past week here on Radio Three. And when I say hot, I mean do a leaper kind of hot. Yes, Alison Howe caught up with the Grammy winner in her Common Room program ahead of the singer's Studio 2054 virtual concert that's happening this afternoon. But if plays are more your thing, you'd be glad to know that even during the COVID-19 pandemic, you can get your fix over the airwaves. Stay tuned to find out how. Also, in the next half hour, we'll explore the plan to turn Hong Kong's iconic jumbo floating restaurant into a heritage and tourism attraction. But first, let's hear from a rare visitor to our studio, the Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung who attended our policy address phone-in program yesterday with Hugh Chibberton and Danny Gittings.
2: Good morning, Chief Secretary. Thank you for coming. Good morning, Hubert. Good morning, Danny. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, we're very pleased to have you but I do have to say, this is the Chief Executive's uh, policy address and for more than 10 years um, uh, Chief Exec- successive Chief Executives, including Mrs. Lamb, have come on this show. Uh, last year, she refused to do so, sent you instead. Uh, now she's done the same again this year. And as far as I can see, she hasn't given any other in- in- interview in English language to um, either the local or international media since uh, she was on this show a couple of years ago. I mean, Policy Address talks about building overseas confidence, but she's shunning English language media appearances.
3: Not, not actually correct, actually. If you remember, every Tuesday morning before Exco, uh, the trip is meets the media in Hong Kong, including Oficial media. She, she, does, she does answer she answers individual English. questions. Absolutely, by Bi- bilingual, certainly.
2: Not quite the same as bilingual coming on, on,
3: an, yeah. on, an, on an, an hour-long interview like this, is it? Well, though? we work as a team, as I said last year, you know. So really, the important point is to get a government person to explain clearly what is in the policy address, you know, and answer... Communities' queries and, and questions. And but appearances
2: in English are clearly less important. I mean, she did no, 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 on the no, Chinese, no. Chinese language. Hong show. Kong is
3: certainly a multicultural, cosmopolitan, pluralistic society. We attach equal importance to both English and Chinese, let me assure you.
2: Okay, our number is 233 266 Your chance to talk to the, uh, to the Chief Secretary about the uh, Chief Executive's policy address. So we've got our first caller on the line. I think it's Matthew. Matthew, good morning.
4: Morning, uh, Hugh. Morning, Chief Secretary. Thank you for appearing on the program. I have two questions, and the first one partly relates to the policy address and partly relates to this program and and Danny's setup. I'm also um, thankful to have you, but disappointed that the Chief Executive has decided for the second year in a row not to appear on the program. In in systems where the government has confidence uh, in its mandate and in itself, politicians and government officials are happy to appear on programs like this. We not only have a problem with getting the chief executive to interact with us on this program, almost every day there are discussions where, uh, which would be aided by having a government official on this program talking with us. Uh, the police will not appear on the program, uh, and I can't remember a government official ever appearing on the program. Can you help us understand this reluctance to, to interact with the people that officials and, and leaders are supposed to be serving? That's my first question.
3: Yeah. Well, the, thank you, Mencil. Um Let me let me clarify that we are not shying away from the media at all. Uh, if you if you listen to the, to the Chinese Cantonese channel in so out uh, Cantonese channel one then what, uh, uh, the, the, the usual radio channel, the Chinese channel, uh, we regularly appear on, on not just radio but TV as well, but only on topics. Not, we can't afford to go to, to, to station TV every day you know, because we've got a very busy agenda. But we, whenever we've got, for example, the policy address, some topical issues coming up, we are fully prepared. We are, For example, the epidemic, Professor Sophia Chen almost every day appear on TV and radio. You know, I'm sure you know Sophia very well, reporting on the epidemic, on, 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 on the situation of the pandemic. Mm. And every day, 4.30... We've got uh, professionals from the Department of Health, even the Director of Health herself sometimes, and the senior uh, doctors, every day 4.30 without fail, even Sunday public holidays, uh, just keeping the community abreast of what's happening on the epidemic front, you know. We've got a yeah, road to inform, and uh, we're accountable, we're accessible, Matthew. Don't worry, uh, you know, if you feel that the government should be more pro- uh, proactive or more, more visible, we we stand ready to improve, improve on that, well, on that score.
4: Well, I... Uh, yeah. Secretary, I am worried because I, I actually can speak Cantonese at a reasonable level, and I do listen to the sister program on RTHK Radio 1. Right. Uh, and I notice on that program, as you point out, there are often uh, government officials and, and senior pro-Beijing politicians appearing to discuss issues. And, and you said in your introduction in response to Danny that uh, you do not treat you know, people who cannot understand Cantonese or can only speak English in a second-class way, yet... That kind of appears to be what's happening because those people do not appear on this program so i'm asking why why you think that is
3: Matthew let, let me let me assure you that uh, in future in future I, I i promise you if if my schedule permits i'm prepared to come up more often because I, my, my portfolio is pretty pretty wide covering a huge portfolio in, in the civil service as well so i stand ready to I'll, I'll encourage my colleagues to, to come up more often with your program, you know, we we do. Let me stress once again: we are a cosmopolitan society. We do value the presence of expatriates, non-Cantonese, non-Chinese speakers. They are part of Hong Kong. Okay. Absolutely mm-hmm. no discrimination at all, Matthew. Matthew, your, your other question.
4: My my second question relates to the policy address. I mean, it it was kind of a lighthearted moment to see so many uh, pro-Beijing legislators. Uh, not paying attention, buying, buying crabs and uh, looking at videos of other legislators falling asleep and so on and so forth. But uh, this, this is funny, and you could pass it off as a one-off thing or as people being tired, as Regina Rip tried to do yesterday on Hong Kong Today on this channel. But, it, I mean, I, I, it's pretty bad, isn't it, when, uh, when the people who are being paid to sit there, this address is for them, actually, it's not for us. And uh, a lot of them weren't paying attention. Now, that would never happen in the NPC. uh, And I just wonder whether those legislators have understood the nature of a system, you know, that they've they've pushed us into here, where their role is really to listen and and to pay attention to what the government's saying, not to do these other things. Matthew, Uh, I I agree
3: entirely that the situation is not satisfactory. And, but the highlight, of course, is, is the policy address itself, not this individual little so-called site that, you know... Well, uh, not and for them it, it
4: wasn't. <laughs> Harry Krabs were the highlight for, <laughs> for, for them. I mean, it's funny, but
2: it's not funny. Do, do you know what I mean? So yeah, you, I know, I know. So, Ch- Chief Secretary, you agree it was not satisfactory for the Secretary for Constitutional Mainline Affairs to fall asleep. You, you mentioned not satisfactory just
3: now. Well, I, I, I don't think he he, he, meant, he meant it himself. Probably he's too tired, you know. He's been travelling quite a lot, you know. He's been doing a lot of things. It's really bouncing quite a lot of basketballs at the moment, you know. Will there be any repercussions? Well, I, I think it's a one-off let that's, that's, that's not about this little but it's incident. It's not a one-off. To, you know.
4: It's not a one-off. There were multiple people not respecting the, the policy address. I mean, I don't, I don't really see how that's much different than the pandems coming in there with their antics. It's just more subtle and more sneaky to, to surf on your phone and... And you know, buy crabs and stuff like that, rather than hold up placards and shout. But it's yeah, Matthew. I'm, I'm sure
3: that this instance won't repeat again. Okay, I can assure you. Is, what, what's your quick question about the policy address itself? What, what exactly are you worried about, what do you have any views to offer to help us construct constructive views to put forward?
4: Well, I, I think this speaks to the system, right, where you have legislators remaining in the in the Legco supposedly because they're going to support and represent the people, but they're not even listening to what the CE said. Maybe you ask them questions about what the policy address said. They probably won't know because... Well, as, were, I, as
3: I stress, Matthew, you're you talking about individual case, not news. everybody there. I'm sure that the TV captured everybody there. So you know, there's one or two out of 40, 50 people there. It's not right? one or two. You
4: read the newspaper, Chief Secretary, there's a lot more than that. It's, it's, it's all over. It's the only thing that people are talking about.
1: And that was Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung speaking to Hugh chiverton Danny Gitchings and one of our many callers, Matthew, in our Policy Address Phone-In Program. Turning from politics to music, disco queen Dua Lipa will be partying with her fans in Hong Kong this afternoon through her virtual concert, Studio 2054 ahead of the show she's been talking to our Alison and how first telling her why the live stream concert is so convenient for the fans
5: i mean you're in the comfort of your own home so it entirely depends i mean whether that's sequins and glitter or whether that's just in your favorite trackies or not even your favorite trackies your comfiest trackies um it all works for me you know whatever you feel comfortable in i'm here to bring the show to you
1: Yes, talk about bringing the show to us. I'm so glad that we were there to see you perform for the first time in Hong Kong before. And I'm sure that you miss touring a lot, don't you? Oh, desperately, (laughs) you know,
5: I I was, I, I had my whole year planned out, you know, to be on tour and to be traveling and to be doing all kinds of stuff. And to not have had that opportunity is, quite heartbreaking, but it was kind of the motivation for this live stream, so I'm, I'm very
1: excited. Would you have a message for your Hong Kong fans who truly and dearly miss you?
5: Yes, that I would absolutely love, love, love to come back so soon. I miss you all so much. And honestly, if I could, I would be there in a heartbeat um so the second that we're all allowed to travel and come back i will be there yeah and we'll get to celebrate and dance and be together which i'm i'm the most excited about amazing now coming back to your music everything
1: about you from your music to your fashion to everything that comes in future nostalgia it's showcasing so many different sides of you and so many different sides of your artistry is there any particular song that you think is something that is extra personal to you
5: um Well, I think all the songs to, you know, to some degree, they all come from a different part of my life. You know, they're very, very personal to me in in every way. I do feel like maybe Love Again from my album is probably one of the most personal, but in the sense of like, it means so much to me because it was um, so, I, I almost like manifested that energy into my life. And for that, I think sometimes if you, like, I don't know, really put some things out into the universe, they really do come back to you. And for that, that's why it's so special to me, that song. I never thought that I would find a way out. I never thought I...
1: studio 2054 you mentioned that you finally have more time to rehearse and practice and perfect everything and really stage a show for us was there any song that was extremely challenging to translate into part of the show
5: Hmm, interesting question um you know what i think i don't think it was difficult because you're kind of performing these in sets you're almost like creating your own world around it so everything was kind of built for that purpose you know to go with the mood of the songs and the set this goes with the set and the part of the show that you're in and the you know the, the custom built set that you're in and so everything kind of plays a role in in um, you know each part so yeah all right you also mentioned that you couldn't wait for us to watch pretty please is there any reason why mm. It's just such a fun one to, to perform, to dance with. Um, I just I just love it. It's, it's, it's one of my highlights in the set. But then there's so many that I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for this one, and I can't wait for this one. Like, I can't wait for Hallucinate as well. That's also a really special one to perform. Um, and, I mean, every single one is so unique and so different and has a completely different routine with it. And there's so many moments that happen within it. And so it's... Um, Everything feels really exciting. As you can tell, I'm like barely
1: being able to contain myself from this hype. And neither can we, we're so pumped Troy. We cannot wait for it to happen. And finally, a couple more questions for you, Dua. Thank you so much for hanging out with us over here in Hong Kong. Thank you so much for having me. We have a lot of teenage listeners and you do have a huge fan base who are on the younger side. And we always love asking our musicians friends, what kind of student were you back in school? Um, oh God, school um ages away i was
5: i was okay in school i definitely loved to talk a lot i feel like that was something that i got really i got in trouble for the most was always chatting in class non-stop um so that was the thing but i don't know i think my heart was always somewhere else you know it was never really in the Academic things. I always loved lessons like music and drama and, um, you know, dance and media and all those things. Those were the ones that interested me more. And then I'd be the most chatty during math and science and all those other ones, geography and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I knew what I liked from a very young age.
1: That was disco queen Dua Lipa chatting with Alison Howe on her Common Room program. And if partying with Dua Lipa is not your thing, you might want to consider watching a play, or should I say listen to a play. As we found out on the Morning Brew program, you can now enjoy plays in the comfort of your home, thanks to the Presenium Online Theatre based in Hong Kong. It's a new platform for original audio stories. A piece by the American playwright Alan Olenichek is the first to go into production. It's called Helt, Texas, and it's set in the high Arctic. One of the creative minds behind the online theatre, Nick Atkinson, told Phil Whelan more about the project.
6: About two years ago, actually, so way before the pandemic, Um, I had an idea of trying to produce um, really exciting theater but in a way that we could travel all you know to anywhere so from to the arctic to outer space and have all these environments and obviously doing that in a live uh, theater setting is very expensive so we thought yeah. well, why not do it as a radio play and as podcasts were becoming more and more um uh prominent we could we could produce them as podcasts so the idea there of uh, the proscenium online theater was kind of born yeah. And then through a colleague of mine, Cat Roma-Greer, who I do a lot of uh, work with here in Hong Kong, uh, she went on a uh, artist residency up into the Arctic Circle residency, I should say, uh, up, in the, up in the Arctic to Svalbard, where she met Alan. Um, and she introduced us both uh, online, and Alan sent me some of his work. And I was really intrigued by Help Texas because it covers uh, themes of the environment, um, there's a bit of romance in there, there's quite a lot of danger, it's all set um, up in the Arctic, so you've got that whole atmospheric uh, world to try and conjure up and, yeah. and create. And so we, we started work on it, and then um, <coughs> it was originally written as a stage play, and we, so we had to do a bit of adapting to make it work for audio, and sure. then we got a cast of uh, Hong Kong actors involved, so Michael C. Pizzuto and Jai Day and Danny Down, Muriel Hoffman, Hamish uh, Campbell, and we recorded it actually about a year ago here in hong kong in a very shoestring environment we pushed the mattress up against the wall and hung a duvet over the window to try and create our studio (laughs) that's
0: how you do it
6: Um, that's how you start i think yeah and um and it you know and we we got it all down and then there were a few issues that came up around the sound and then trying to make it work to the standard that we wanted it to um And we very kindly had lots of people involved, sort of putting it together and doing all that. And then we were introduced, sort of now come pandemic times, to a producer or an editor in the UK, does a lot of work for the BBC, who I know through mutual friends, I met through mutual friends. And he uh, jumped on it and 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 turned it into what you hear now. So, yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Nick, give us a bit of the plot. Tell us what you want people sure. to know. So, so it follows it follows a story of Sarah, um, who is a uh, doing a scientific research project um, in uh, Longyearbyen and uh, in Svalbard, and she's going to go up and measure uh, glaciers up there and atmospheric pressure. And uh, she checks into a hotel yep. where she's introduced to a character called Torbjorn, who is also up there for work as well. And then she also has a colleague, uh, Arthur, who she has a previous uh relationship shall we say uh with and then they all start to get talking and they get arguing about the environment and various um thinkings around around the environment mm-hmm. and approaches to, to help the environment and then they all get uh caught in a catastrophe which i won't tell you exactly. brilliant let's now listen to the opening 90 seconds or something like that of episode one of helped texas
0: Bulbard is northernmost in everything. If you traveled any more north, you'd eventually find yourself crossing the pole and heading south to Alaska. The high arctic is a place of savage beauty. It casts a spell, it gets under your skin, and dangers are easily overlooked. If truth be told, this place wants you dead. Longyearbyen hasn't even been around a hundred years. An old coal mining outpost at the edge of the world, only made hospitable by human ingenuity and grit. This town has reinvented itself, despite nature's intent. Spitbergen cabins are several small buildings hugging the steep hillsides at the southern edge of town. They were coal miners' barracks 50 years ago and now renovated into one of those fancy boutique hotels. Where once coal miners could get a bowl of hot stew and a pint of ale in the canteen, you now have a cozy hotel lobby where you can get a gourmet caribou burger and a glass of Pinot Noir.
1: Good morning. Yes? Sarah Mitchell. I'm staying for three nights. Credit card, please.
0: Oh. Natalia is behind a reception desk and knits a small child's hat.
1: I'm told the university is paying for my accommodation. Yes, uh, the card is for any add-ons.
0: It's now approaching summer solstice okay. Okay. and the sun will not touch the horizon for several more months. Your
1: room will be in cabin We
0: needed to try and find six, ways six, of, six, three, of creating that world um, and putting the
6: audience uh, right in there. And it, it works very well if you listen to it in stereo with some good, good yeah. speakers and you get the whole uh, sound effects and the atmosphere that Carl's kind of built in uh, around it. And as the play, and story develops the the environment kind of closes in around them yeah so we try to make we've actually tried to make the environment almost a character
1: and that was nick atkinson the director and producer of the play help texas speaking on the morning brew program Now, from the Arctic to Aberdeen, as part of new government plans to revitalize the entire district, the 40 year old jumbo floating restaurant has been donated to Ocean Park, which will convert it into a heritage and tourism attraction. Professor Brian King from Polytechnic University School of Tourism says, while it's a good idea to link up various attractions in Southside, he told me on our Hong Kong Today program and that it would be a challenge.
7: Well, I think it's great that the government's looking at uh, connecting all the assets in the Aberdeen uh, precinct and making it uh, very much for the local community. I mean, talking about uh, building a livable city and, and reinvigorating the area. So I think that context of joined up thinking is great. Uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of implementation challenges in connecting uh, Ocean Park with the, the Jumbo restaurant, but. Look, I think both are important community assets and, and I think connecting them, seeing what's possible is, is certainly a good starting point.
1: Given uh, Ocean Park's financial woes, is it a good idea for the park to run more than what it already does?
7: Well, I agree that they're busy uh, dealing with their own challenges and, and we need to see uh, how successful Ocean Park is going to be in the future. But from what I see about the CE statements. Um, With Jumbo being uh, an iconic attraction in uh, Hong Kong, they're looking at it more as a social enterprise or community asset, maybe something that's embraced by the local community, just as we're trying to do with uh, Ocean Park itself. So I think some of the same principles apply. As I say, there will be implementation challenges, so let's see how the planning proceeds. But I I think the joined up thinking is positive.
1: And how big a part do you think uh, this plan involving uh, the jumbo floating restaurant and the plan to uh, uh, the plan rebirth of Ocean Park will play in the uh, government's overall plan to revitalise the Southern District?
7: Well, I think it's encouraging that uh, for this precinct, which has got you know great history, is featured in many iconic Hong Kong films, uh, jumbo restaurants, much loved by visitors from across the world, and hosted by local residents and Ocean Park as well. And then there's the marine assets around there. There's new hotels that have come into play. There's the water park. There's the MTR station which has only been around for four years. So there's a lot that really can be done and has been talked about over the years. I think it'll be a good test case for collaboration between local community and
1: You mentioned uh, some uh, implementation uh, challenges. What what are they?
7: Well, really, we haven't seen yet the detail of the Ocean Park, you know, plan for the financial plan for revitalization. So, so that's still uh, waiting to come out and to be very uh, public. So, we all hope that that's going to work out. There's a lot of ideas um, going around at the moment, which mean a stronger maybe recreational emphasis rather than tour groups. I think that's. Uh, that's a positive. Uh, With Jumbo Restaurant itself, if it became a tourism asset, then there'll be challenges around, you know, commissionable for travel agents and so on. Uh, However, I think that um, Jumbo can be embraced by the community. Uh, It's a very long established Hong Kong asset. The waterfront itself is very appealing for photo taking. So it kind of fits in with the, the current approach to tourism, the heritage, the culture. So I think it can all come together.
1: All right. And uh, what do you think of uh, Carrie Lam's other plans for the Southern District? I mean, she talked about building a water sports centre at the uh, Sheko Quarry side. And, and she also talked about uh, exploring new marine tourism routes.
7: Yes, well, I think they're not talking about, you know, big physical developments for tourists. I think it's more community assets. Uh, and I think that the southern, the, the local residents in Aberdeen need to embrace what's being proposed. And I think there's enough in there for locals to see this can improve quality of life, it can connect up with Lama Island, with the waterfront, uh, with the nice visual backdrops and have good recreational cultural facilities. So I think that language of tourism which takes us away from coach tour groups and more towards how Hong Kongers have embraced staycations, that's exactly the reset we should be doing now. So, so let's be positive about that, I'm pretty encouraged.
1: And that was Professor Brian King from Polytechnic University's School of Tourism speaking on our Hong Kong Today programme. Finally, this week, it was the 19th anniversary of the passing of Freddie Mercury, the legendary singer, songwriter, record producer and, of course, the lead vocalist of the rock band Queen. Regarded as one of the greatest singers in the history of rock music, he was known for his flamboyant stage persona and four-octave vocal range, and Steve James closed his Wednesday afternoon drive with a tribute. I'll leave you now with Freddie Mercury and The Great Pretender. As always, have a great weekend. See you next week. Oh
4: yes,
6: I'm the
1: can